All right, so this. Can you hear me now? Okay. So this morning, things took a major shift, and I'm just going to wing it. Um, but sometimes these are the best sermons you'll ever get. We're still in Genesis. I found my bulletin that I was going to look for earlier. We're still in Genesis. We're still struggling with uh, the life of Joseph, but we're moving two chapters ahead of where I was intending to be today because we were talking in Genesis 42 last week, and in Genesis 42, we talked about Joseph and the fact that his brothers show up and Joseph sends them home and the first thing he tells them to do is bring back Benjamin. Well, we, we'd be all good and well there, leaving it alone and just moving right along. I want you to turn to Genesis 44, however. I'm going to tell the story about the rest of it, but I want to look at Genesis 44. I want to start just by reading the text, starting in verse 18. And it says this, but Judah approached him and said, my Lord, please let your servant speak personally to my Lord. Do not be angry with your servant, for you are like Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servants, do you have a father or brother? And we answered, my Lord, we have an elderly father and a younger brother, the child of his old age. The boy's brother is dead, and he is the only one of his mother's sons left, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, bring him to me so that I can see him. But we said to my Lord, my bo this boy cannot leave his father. If he were to leave, his father would die. Then you said to, our servant, to your servants, if your younger brother does not come down with you, you will not see me again. This is what happened when we went back, on, back to your servant, my father. We reported to him the words of my Lord. But our father said, go again and buy us a little food. We told him we cannot go down unless our younger brother goes with us. If, one, if our younger brother isn't with us, we cannot see the man. Your servant, my father, said to us, You know that my wife bore me two sons. One is gone from me. I said he must have been torn to pieces, and I have never seen him again. If you also take this one from me and anything happens to him, you will bring my gray hairs down to Sheol in sorrow. So if I come to your servant, my father, and the boy is not with us, his life is wrapped up with the boy's life. When he sees that the boy is not with us, he will die. Then your servants will have brought the gray hairs of your, of your servant, our father, down to Sheol in sorrow. Your servant became accountable to my father for the boy, saying, If you do not return to him, I will always bear the guilt for sinning against you, my father. Now please let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy. Let him go back with his brothers, for how can I go back to my father Without the boy, I could not bear to see the grief that would overwhelm my father. These are the words in Genesis 44, the word of the Lord, so that Sharon can finish that statement. You started. These are the word of the Lord. Praise be to God, right? Sharon always jumps to it until I remind her. Then she forgets what she's supposed to say. But here's the deal. So Genesis 42, I talked about, he sends them back home. And they open up their sacks. They find that the silver that they took with them has now been replenished. And they don't understand why. Now, here's the interesting part. As we get through all of this, we start to find some different things that are happening. Chapter 43, they get into this whole discussion. And you see this whole thing play out. Um, it says that, you know, you, you get Jacob desiring to send them back to Egypt, and they're saying we can't go without Benjamin. Jacob, in this text, 
says this, May God Almighty cause the man to be merciful to you so that he will release your other brother and Benjamin to you. As for me, if I am deprived of my sons, then I am deprived. In other words, there's something in that for us today. I want to start with that thought, but I also want to keep in mind what I just read about Judah. Now, everything we know about Judah is, is changing based on what I just read today. But what we see about Jacob is Jacob has recognized the fact that he must send his son back. He must send them the one he withheld the first time because it has been requested. And he also realizes he may not understand the plan, but he needs to do what he needs to do to take care of his family. And what you see is that he then puts it in the hands of the Lord. He puts it in God's hands here at the end of that verse. In chapter 43, verse 14, he says, May God cause him to have mercy. May God cause him to have mercy. We've had those moments in our lives, right? Where we've wondered if God will show mercy within the circumstance. Now, what we don't know and what we, don't, what we know but what they don't know is that the pieces were already in place. See, what's been taking place over the course of a few chapters here in Genesis, when you're seeing the story of Joseph and his brothers, you are seeing God put pieces in place. And we'll talk about that here in just a few moments because Genesis 45 is really the bigger part of the text I want to look at today. But I wanted to get the story of Judah out, at the, out here for a moment. But what we're looking at here is that then they go. They're sent and they take Benjamin with them and they go to Egypt and they come into Egypt and they get to Joseph. Joseph sees Benjamin with them, and he says, take these men. You know, he says, take the men to my house, slaughter an animal and prepare it, for they will eat with me at noon. They still don't know who he is. They're getting preferential treatment in the, in the country that they're going to. They're being blessed by this country, and they have no idea why. But Joseph sees that they have done exactly as he asked them to do. Now, Joseph, as we talked about, could have had retribution. He could have had vengeance. He could have done a number of things to his brothers that he chose not to do. And instead, he kept one brother, and he sent the rest home. And then you have this whole conversation. And in all this, you see these little stories playing out. You see Reuben continually trying to do the right thing, but not really do the right thing because it was all about Reuben. But then you see the repentance of the brothers that we talked about last week, where even though they didn't know who Joseph was, they are sort of showing remorse for what has taken place. So Joseph sends them to go get Benjamin and bring him back. And when they see Benjamin, they realize, you know, that's his true brother. That's his blood, his 100%. The rest are half whatever you want to talk about. Benjamin is the brother of Joseph, full brother of Joseph. Now, if anybody was going to recognize him, it would have been Benjamin. But again, Benjamin would have been about four years old the last time he saw Joseph. So you don't know. So either way, they come in. When they come in, they say, look, we've got everything that we took the last time because we brought back the silver that we brought you that somehow ended up back in our sacks. And Joseph actually says to them, I don't know how that got in your sack. Maybe it was the Lord because I got your silver. Now, we know that Joseph likely had to pay for that. 
But Joseph didn't hold them accountable to it. Joseph said their silver was paid, so he didn't know why that was in the sacks. He didn't know why it was there. Now he did know. (laughs) Maybe he told a little white lie there, but I'm not trying to justify that. There's a whole lot happening here because in Joseph's mind, they had no bill to pay. Their bill had been paid. So he's not necessarily lying to them. He's saying it was taken care of. He's not telling them, oh, no, I don't know about, you know, he's saying your silver was, I took your silver. He didn't, you know, and that's not a lie. He took their silver. And he also instructed it to be given back. So they take it, they come back with that plus what they got to get more. And instead, they bring him into the house and he gives them this big feast because he knows them. They know him not. There's a process in all of this that I really think we need to undertake and see as we get into chapter 45 in a moment. And that is this. Chapter 45 is when Joseph reveals his identity to his brothers. But I'm going to tell you right now, in this case, when we look at this whole thing, Christ reveals his identity to you just as Joseph did his brothers. It's an intimate moment. It's a moment where tears are shed and joy is had and others will know. I'll get to that in a minute when I talk about it, but I want you to hear this. There's also a lot that goes into play before the identity of the Savior is revealed. There's a lot that takes place before that. Had he revealed his identity before these things took place, it wouldn't have been the same because what took place in chapter 44 What takes place is Judah pleading to take the place of the younger brother. Judah ready to give his life and and make sure that his father was taken care of and that his brother was returned. Judah, whether it was out of remorse or whatever the case might be, does not know that Joseph is the one making the offers. He doesn't know what plans are ahead, but what he does know is that his father will die if the younger brother is not returned. Judah was not that way the first time. Judah, as we've talked about, was was someone of ill repute and, and rough character. I mean, Judah and Tamar, I don't need to talk about that much. We know who Judah was, but what we see here is that this man, Judah, has been restored because what takes place, Joseph gives them a final test. To see what will happen. One, would they defend their younger brother? Two, when Joseph sends them out again, they give him the grain. They put the silver back in the knapsacks or whatever they're carrying. All of it. Not, they didn't keep any of it. They sent him back with the silver they came with again. But Joseph took his own cup and placed it in Benjamin's back. He instructed that it be put in Benjamin's sack. And then they leave and they go. And they're on the road home with everybody, Simeon, Benjamin, all. And then he sends his servant after him and says, when you find them, ask them why they repaid evil with good. When you find them, ask them why they have done this to me. And then search their bags and the one you find with the cup will be my servant. Now Joseph knows what he's doing. They do not. So in this moment, They find them on the road. They they break them down. They get their bags down. He starts with the oldest, works his way down, and Benjamin holds the cup. The brothers do not continue on their way. All of them 
come back to the city. See, this was Joseph's test. When Benjamin's taken as a slave, what will they do? What will they do? Will they go home and say we're sorry? Or will they fight for him? The boys return back to Egypt for their brother. And they go to him and they plead with him. And, he's, and this is when we get to where I read you as we started the service today. Judah is pleading for the life of Benjamin saying, take me instead. Take me instead. Now that doesn't seem like the Judah that was all out for Judah when the story of Tamar took place, does it? That doesn't seem like the Judah. Now maybe that was the beginning of him turning around because his statement was, she's been more righteous than I. But hear what I'm saying today. Repentance must happen before the identity is revealed in many cases. When, for us to see the true identity of the one we are serving, we must repent of the sins that we have in front of us that are dividing us from him. That's what took place here. Because what Joseph saw in his brother was true repentance, true sorrow, true remorse for what had happened. He doesn't know the man standing in front of him is the man he sold into slavery years ago. But the things that he says, saying, our brother is dead. We cannot send this one back. His mother was, it's the only one left. There were two sons of one mother, and this is the only one that remains. They have no idea who's standing in front of them. But in chapter 45, you see that Joseph turns and sends all of his attendants out, and he then reveals his identity to his brothers. Folks, God will get you to a moment. Christ will get you right there in that place where you were fully repentant, just as Judah did, and you're crying out before him, and you're calling out on his name, and you're saying, please, do not do this to me. Take it this way. Let's, let's talk. Let's figure this out. But take me instead. Take me instead of this. Don't, I mean, whatever the case might be. But then he sends everyone else away. He finds you in a moment while you're alone, and he gets down and he says, I am him. And when you have that encounter with Jesus Christ in your life, you are changed. Listen to how this changes them. He sends everyone away and then he turns to his brothers and says, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? I'm Joseph. I'm your brother. I'm the one that you say is dead. Now, Many times in this, you have seen that Joseph has become emotional when, and even with Benjamin, he had to leave, go wash his face and nearly clean himself up to even come back and present himself to his brothers again because he loves them. Can you imagine that though? Because isn't the story of Joseph and his brothers much like us in Christ? He is our brother. He is our friend. He is our joint heir. He, we are joint heirs with Christ. In the kingdom of God. So he, it's like he's our brother. And we do this to him on a daily basis. We sell him out for the best thing that comes along. So that we don't have to deal with him being the one that is loved. With him being the one that's there to spy on us. They had accused him of being a spy. They had made him out to be a liar. They had put him in a pit. They had sold him into slavery. And here they are defending the younger. The one who would have now taken his role. 
in that family. And they're realizing the wrong of their ways. And then Joseph uses that moment when they're at their weakest and their most broken. He looks at them and says, I'm the brother you lost. I'm the one who has saved you. And then there's this joy. Because it says, then he says, please come near me. And they came near. He said, I'm Joseph, your brother. And the one you sold into slavery. Now don't be grieved or angry with yourselves for selling me here. And this is the point that I've been wanting to get to today. So hear what I'm saying. Because God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. God sent me ahead of you. You didn't know it then and I didn't know it then. But God put these pieces into place, not you. You've been regretting and remorseful over what you did, but God sent me ahead of you to Egypt. God sent me ahead of you to prepare so that we could have life, so that we would survive. He says, it's been two years, there's five more coming. It's been two years, there's five more years of famine coming. Come and move here. Not only that, if you go later in the chapter, when Jacob decides to return, when they get to Egypt, Pharaoh instructs Joseph, send them there to the most fruitful, most, like he sends them to the best land they got. Because it's Joseph's family. Talk about God really putting the pieces in place. Sends them over, what is it, the land of Goshen, I think. But uh, he sends them, and, and he he says, you can settle in the land of Joseph, this is Joseph, to, or land of Goshen, and be near me. You, your children, your grandchildren, your flocks, your herds, and all that you have there, I will sustain you. There I will sustain you, for there will be five more years of famine. Otherwise, you and your household and everything you have will become destitute. Folks, we're in the middle of the famine right now. I don't know how many years of famine it is, but man, the similarities really just hit me in the face this week. For the last two years, COVID has been a problem. I mean, if we're looking at it that way, we might be up for five more years. They're just coming out with a new variant tomorrow, yesterday. It's going to hit the shelves tomorrow, right? <laughs> I don't know how that's going to work. All I know is that what we see in the text here is that Joseph asks his brothers to come and live in the land of Goshen. And Christ has asked us to live in the kingdom of God today. The land of Goshen on this earth. He's asked us to move in. He says, come be near me. Bring your families, bring your children, your grandchildren, bring your livestock, bring everything you've got and come to the land that's prepared for you because I was sent before to prepare the place to preserve life. And for 2,000 years, he's been preserving life on this world for what's to come. Folks, Joseph had been sent to Egypt to prepare the place. So that when the brothers came, they would have favor. Did he know it? No. But Joseph began to seek God. Joseph stayed in God and he rested in God. And he says, he made me a father to, Pharaoh, or he made me a father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household and ruler over the land of Egypt. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. God put me over Pharaoh's household. He put me over Pharaoh's land. He put me in charge of Egypt for this moment. This is huge. This basically says that Joseph has more power than Pharaoh because Pharaoh has entrusted it to him. 
He's over the whole land. And then you see it, it says, when the news reached Pharaoh's palace, Joseph's brothers have come. Pharaoh and his servants were pleased. Pharaoh told Joseph, tell your brothers, do this. Load your animals, go back to the land of Canaan. Get your father and your families and come back to me. And I will give you the best of the land of Egypt. You can eat from the richness of my storehouses, of my land, of everything. I will sustain you. Pharaoh will sustain Joseph's family. Folks, if this hadn't happened, the nation of Egypt would have, or the nation of Israel would have never lasted past that first generation. But God knew what he was doing. When Joseph was sold into slavery, it was no accident. It was no evil deed of the brothers. It was, in fact, what you meant for evil, as Joseph says in Genesis 50, verse 20. What you meant for evil, God intended for good. What was meant to harm me, God intended to bless us. And he became worthy. He became wrapped up in it. And the sons of Israel did this. They went and they got him. And, they get, and Joseph gave them wagons. He gave them everything they needed. And he sent them on their way. Hear what I'm saying today. The, it may be t difficult. It might be rough. It might be tough going. It might be all of these different things that are happening in your life today. But I'm going to tell you right now, every bad thing that's happening, everything that maybe has been sent ahead of whatever the case might be, God has prepared the way much in advance for the moment you got to the land and were in trouble. So the moment you're in right now, the troubles you're facing, the heartaches, the hardships, everything that you're going through, God has already prepared that land. God has already prepared you for the moment. He's already given you everything you need in that moment. <clears throat> if Jacob hadn't sold out to God in chapter 43 and said, okay, take your brother, may God bless the man that, <laughs> that's there, it'll send him back. Well, God blessed the man that was there, and he had been blessing him for quite a few years. Not only did he send the brother back, he sent for the father and brought him back. And they all came to the same land, and they were given more than they could have ever imagined. He just sent silver to try and buy grain to last a couple more days while they were in famine. And God said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to give you the best the world has to offer, and you will not be in want or in need. You will have everything that you need for this life. And you will survive because I have already put the pieces in place. I've already given favor to the son you thought you lost. Look, what Jacob ends up getting back in all this is amazing. Not only does he get land and a fruitful, plenteous place to live, he gets Joseph. He gets the son he thought he lost back. But could you imagine how beautiful that was for Jacob? To walk in and see that son and be like, my son. Folks, there's coming a day when we get everything back. Everything that we've lost, everything we've been promised, the world is ours. The scripture says it. It's not something I'm saying. This isn't a prosperity gospel. This is the reality. Because we're joined ours with Christ, we will get the world. We will gain everything. That's the beauty of the gospel. But we might have to go through the heartaches and the famines and the hardships to get there. The reality simply is this. 
Here's the end of the chapter, chapter 45. So what we see is the brothers, they all come. They go get the father. And it says at the end of the chapter, this is where I want to close. It says, so they went up from Egypt and came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. They said, Joseph is still alive and he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. Jacob was stunned for he did not believe them, but they went. But when they told Jacob all that Joseph had said to them, when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to transport him, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. And it says, then Israel said, enough, my son. Joseph is still alive. I will go to see him before I die. Amen. Joseph was alive. And he had prepared the way for his father to safely return. And the moment he saw the signs of the sun, he went to see the sun. Folks, we see the signs of the sun every day and we turn them down. But if you don't know him today, you need to know him. And we've got nothing to be thankful for greater than that right there. Because the son had sent his brothers back. Joseph had sent everything he needed. Wagons, you name it. He said, go get him and get him here quickly. And they were probably walking, not riding in the first place. So this was a welcome reward. But when he saw everything that Joseph had done to get him to Egypt, he said, let's go. I'm going to see my son. Jesus Christ died for your sins. And he sent the wagons. He sent everything. He's given you every sign he can for you to see who he is. And we can either act like Joseph and say, I'm in. Let's go. Or we can act like the world and say, I don't know if I trust that. Unfortunately, more people act like the world than want to admit. But if you don't know him today, you need to know him. If you haven't got things right with him today, he sent the wagons. Here they are. It's all right in front of you. All you got to do is say, I'm going to see the son. I'm going to see him before I die. Because if you die without seeing your son, if, if Jacob would have died without seeing Joseph, he would never would have known that he was truly alive. And if we die without seeing Christ through the signs and the wonders that he's given us in this world, then we will never truly know until it's too late who he is. If you have a decision to make, make it. You can talk to us in private. You can talk to me now. I don't care. I mean, just don't leave this world without making. We're going to close this morning. We'll sing one verse of Just As I Am. Then we'll dismiss to... Thank you for joining us for our services here on the Newland Christian Church Daily Devotional Podcast. This is our weekend service. You're welcome to join us. We have Sunday school at 10 a.m., service at 11 on Sunday mornings. Sunday evenings we meet at 6 p.m. and on Wednesday evenings we meet at 6 p.m. Every service is also streamed live on our Facebook page. You can get more information about Newland Christian Church at newlandchristianchurch.com or facebook.com slash newlandchristianchurch. Hope you have a blessed day in the Lord.